Welcome to The Queen Project, promoting real, transparent, and faithful conversations about purity and sexuality in today's culture. Today's episode will conclude the second part of an interview with a graduate student to discuss issues ranging from messaging in the culture, cheap grace, apologetics, and some of the most recent revelations from the Epstein disclosures, among other important topics affecting today's culture. So without further delay, let's get to our guest. Great book by a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's like a 20th century German theologian. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, and he talks about this cheap grace versus costly grace. Yeah, God died and gave his life and his blood for our sins. And I would say even sin, like the nature of sin he destroyed. Our sins still need to be repented of. We still need to see God. We have our free will agency. Like we know what right is. And if we actually believe what it says, then the Holy Spirit can help set us free from that. It's a process. We fail forward. <laughs> we fail forward and upward. I think where we lose, and I'm curious to hear your perspective on this, I think where we get it twisted is on two fronts. One, I think we talked about already this idea that we know what right is because of Jesus, and therefore we're good, we're forgiven. But everybody else that isn't, hey, if you haven't heard, you know what the outcome is, you're going to hell, you know, and we become righteous in our own eyes, and we don't want to acknowledge the fact that like we are so depraved and desperate for Jesus that it should be like oozing out of us like we need god badly repent submit but then there's this other aspect of we can be like really self-deceived in thinking like i can never get free therefore i'm going to stay in the struggle and the whole point of christianity really is just for you know me to thank jesus my whole life and just try to be a good christian it's like nah there's something more i think powerful about the gospel that we just don't acknowledge sometimes like we actually do have the power through the holy spirit to get free and stay free and to help other people get free and stay free and we're commanded to do that it's almost like we're not believing that god can do it even if we've seen him work i mean I just think about the, the israelites they got free from egypt through signs through powers through miracles of god like red sea walls parting but the iniquities took a generation or two to get rid of i mean the people wanted to go back to egypt because they missed the good life they missed that middle class life the the spices and the, and the beer and the work and the job and their whole identity they could worship god in their land and it was almost like man we had it so much better in egypt under pharaoh and here we're like in the wilderness and we're dying it's like nah like that death that suffering is actually what's good for you and actually fighting giants and evildoers in the lands that god's apportioning for you is good for you like let's be honest if it ain't worth fighting for it ain't worth it yeah i think about um self-deception of thinking like i'm saved and other people aren't like i'm so much better i don't think that's the right spirit to have god even though he's forgiven us for our sins we easily just could have been in the same situation and you think about like salvation think about the grand scheme of things you didn't have control of your family your circumstances or even i'd go as far as say your heart opening to hear God, that was all him. So in another way, you should be like that much more grateful that he chose you to soften your heart and allow you to hear the gospel because one thing could happen and the other not and you're still just as worse off. But yeah, I think Christians, we shouldn't be so judgmental of the world. It could have easily been us and that's why we have to share God's love towards other people. I think also we kind of do need to own our salvation and thank God for what he's done. I sense sometimes almost like this hidden guilt that like, oh, God saved me. I need to do works now. 
for him. I need to get free of immorality, like immediately like, to the point of shedding blood. Like it's me, me, me. I need, I need use my free will agency, get free of immorality. Then I'll be righteous. Then I'll be ready for a wife. Then I'll be holy. Then I'll be, and it's like, dang, we can even go on that aestheticism thread and like miss the gospel and miss Jesus. I love what this young man shared on another platform. He, uh, he shared, if our righteousness, if our works could achieve holiness, then Christ died for nothing. Yeah. And I was like, ooh. But I think even to take that a step further, if Christ died for us, then through him all things are possible. So I don't think he just died for us to stay where we are. I mean, Paul addresses this in the epistles all the time. Like Romans 6, 1, he says, uh, you know, kind of in response to that whole, well, I'm saved, therefore I'm good. And if I sin, it almost like draws me closer to God and reminds me of my depravity. And therefore, I can never get free from it. No, Paul is like, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In Galatians 2.20, I was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but he that lives within me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me. And so there's almost like this aspect, like I have to pull myself up by my own bootstraps where I do think we have to exercise some agency and some resistance and some submission. But I had a really good talk with a brother at church, uh, Jason, J-A-Y-S. I might not put him out there. I had a good talk with a brother at church. He really drive that home. He's like, look, you know, we sometimes miss what Holy Spirit's doing in us through the struggle, you know, and not partnering with God in the, the battle of the flesh. Like, because to be honest, like there's this moment that we all have before we give into sin where we know like, dang, like there's a way out right here. I know I can... Yeah, I mean, I mean, but like, speak on that. Speak on that. Yeah, like, I don't know. Every time I like about to slip up in like pornography or like, I guess, sexual morality, I always think, man, I don't have to do this. Like, this is an abrasive sin to God, and I'm yeah. going to choose it anyway. Like, why? Like, yeah. I could submit it right now and walk away. And sometimes I do. Yeah. Or in the past, sometimes I do. And I still, the Holy like I was saying, like, this whole struggle, it takes submission to God, but it's also allowing the Holy Spirit to help you. Because there's been times, like, recently where it's like, man, I want to go back. And I'll, I'll think about it. I'll maybe even make plans. Get the Holy Spirit come back in my heart. Like, hey, man, what are, we, what are we doing here? We can't go back to this. And just like on the note of the opposite sex, I think the struggle, it's not just common to men. It's not common to women. It's common to all people. The issues, I've seen it where it's like they know how to look a certain way to attract. I'm just speaking broadly here, but men and women, there's ways of humans that they use to lure in the opposite sex. Yeah, yeah. And What's interesting is what happens often. I love the Proverbs talk about this. I think it's like Proverbs 7. I were dropping a lot of scripture on this show. It contrasts like wisdom and folly and particularly the seduction. Obviously, in this context, it's using like a parable or some type of device, like a young man is being lured by a woman. And that's not gender specific. That goes both ways. But basically, it paints the story about this, you know, young man. It's like late at night, you know, father's giving his son some wisdom here. But he's like, hey, you know, the seductive speech like the lure of temptation, you're basically, you're already on the edge. Like it's late at night, you're looking, like the heart is seeking pleasure, it's seeking folly. Modern day equivalent, like you're online with the dating apps or Tinder, whatever, you know, you're at the bars, you're 
you're, you're with your girl, your man, and you're basically, you're flirting the boundaries or like you are married or you're in a committed relationship, a faithful relationship that you want obviously to pursue marriage in and somebody else comes in the picture and it happens subtly. Oh, they drop a DM or, you know, want to be the good Samaritan and check up on people. There's something that happens when you're in a relationship. You stop paying attention to the opposite sex and they're kind of like, how come this person isn't paying attention to me like other guys do? Like, oh, he's got someone. Yeah. Well, I don't have anyone. Therefore, that person, in my view, is more attractive because yeah. they're more desirable, I should say. They're like, nothing changed. It's not like you like, you know put on some more swagger. It's not like, no, it's just the fact that the human heart longs for the forbidden. The context here is verse 10. And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face, she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I paid my vows. So now I've come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and have found you. I've spread, and of course, she you know, gets into the kind of like preparing the bed. And you know, she says her husband's away on a long journey. He's not going to come back. So basically, like she's creating all the circumstances in which this man almost like slip in and out, no harm, no foul. Like no one's ever going to find out. Of course, that's not the case nowadays because people talk and you, know, you have the internet that gets you in trouble and all that. But uh, just your ways, like even if you're in a relationship or marriage, like women particularly, they have a sixth sense. They can pick that up. The way your body emits pheromones or like they know when you're doing wrong even if you try to be real sly about it anyway verse 21 with much seductive speech she persuades him with her smooth talk she compels him all at once this is so key verse 22 all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare he does not know that it will cost him his life that's pretty strong language. I mean, I would say back then it was when everybody kind of knew their neighbors. It probably wouldn't take much to like for people to like kind of snitch you out. And back then they would stone you yeah. if you were messing around. So you got to think there was like real world physical repercussions to this. Like if you got caught, that didn't stop people, obviously. And people do it all the time. But I think the idea that it'll cost you, this is not the first death. And there's a second death, an eternal death, which the writers of Hebrews talk about in other places, even Jesus himself. There's a consequences for our actions here on earth. Then something you do on earth costing your life is leading a life, I think, pure immorality and selfishness and adultery, even as a Christian. It's like, did your ways change? Did the Holy Spirit really change you? Did you allow God to change your ways and, you know, die to yourself? Um, so I was like kind of real, you know, I'm, I heard something recently. There's something about like how if you say you believe and your behaviors haven't changed, then you're not really believing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that fully. Like, uh, what's the uh, scripture? The day of judgment, people say we like cast out demons and prophecy, like did all this stuff in your name pretty much. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And I always think about that as like, the thing for being a genuine Christian. Okay, like here's the verse it says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There's other passages that talk about not only will they depart from him, but they will be cast into the lake of fire where they'll be weeping and ashen teeth. That's strong language. The fact that God in his mercy has given us a path to eternal life and it's not on our works to get us there it's on his sacrifice his faithfulness like how do you handle that and how does that affect the way that you approach you know sin and just like your own walk like what led you to that scripture 
Yeah, like when I said to humble yourselves, and like I have to constantly humble myself. This is a scripture that I think about. Like I don't want to obviously meet the same fate as those people, but it means like I need to depend on God like solely for, for everything. Like I need to earnestly seek Him and not like try to will my way. Like because that's literally in their case, they did all these things without like the heart of God like behind it. And they like they served and did all these works in their own name. I could say the same thing for myself. Like I could over overcome sexual morality and like not watch pornography like, i could do it all for my own will but it'd be pointless and honest i can't so that's another thing but yeah i'm totally dependent and by doing that it makes you seek god more earnestly because it makes you realize like i can't like work my way to heaven i really need to serve and let him use me in whatever way possible um <laughs> There's so much to unpack here. Uh, I was going to say, since I started off the segment, I, I just really wanted to talk about, you know, today is MLK Day. And it's not like necessarily today is a special day. It's just more like we remember the, the man, the message, I think is really what he was trying to convey in his time. This was like 63. Um, so like, you know, about 60 years ago, almost like less than a century ago. Yeah, I'm dating myself now. But for those who were born in the 2000s or earlier, there was a man. <laughs> his name was Dr. Martin Luther King. You probably heard of him. There were other people that came up during this time. Billy Graham was another person that really came up during that time. So this is kind of like post-World War II. You still had communism or Marxism ideas floating around, especially in the U.S. You had concerns that maybe there was going to be another war on the horizon, like the civil rights issues. There was a lot of questioning of institution and questioning of worldviews colliding and just really heart-level issues. I mean, the stain of Vietnam, all these different things. Underneath the surface of America, a lot lot of the issues that we're now seeing like the things that people were struggling with now today is like pretty much on display like a lot of people i think were more god-fearing then but definitely i think the same heart level issues towards religion and what have you but anyway uh so like feminism was really born in this time and prayer was being taken out of schools and a lot of things are changing in america without really getting like mlk's backstory and, and by the way i mentioned dietrich bonhoeffer too on this show like gods use people throughout time that have had significant moral failings before during and after they were called so it's like we have to really kind of get this idea that when god calls a person they're somehow never going to sin anymore yeah. i think the point is when god calls a person he's calling people that are saying yes to him he's calling people that know they're not perfect and it doesn't always work out well in some of their lives like some people really are obedient for a time and i think i could speak to this in my own life there's a point where nothing lasts forever at the side of heaven you know so we have to like really do stay vigilant to not believe lies because i think some people have been derailed in their faith they've been shipwrecked because things just didn't work out for them in their own way and timing or they never got the breakthrough they didn't get their wife or their husband back when they followed jesus or their kids were they went apostate or you know maybe in their own heart they thought god abandoned them and they just left the faith altogether i've seen it in my life i've seen it with people i've walked with and just in my own heart and i'm saying this to say like i'm speaking this like i haven't won yet but I do believe the battle of the lust of the heart and the eyes. We can have victory and peace in this life through weakness, through surrender to Christ. But I think God gets the victory. He is doing it now, but I believe he's going to do it to where I know it is from him. Yeah. So the enemy is always close by. I think we get a snapshot on this in the book of Job and obviously in the temptation story that Jesus went through in the wilderness. The enemy is always there to kind of remind us that we're sinners, to remind us that we're no good, that we don't deserve it. 
like it always comes down to human sin like we can't erase the sinful heart not until like jesus comes back so i say the main thing is uh like where's their eternal soul like that's what i could care for more not to say i don't care about like racism or police injustice or anything that stuff's all bad it should we could give temporary solutions but we'll never be able to fully solve the problem because humans are always evil like it's in our heart to do so most thing we could do is solve the ultimate goal of like uh waiting for god to finish his redeeming work yeah i appreciate you just even sharing that um there's still conversations about those topics of race and, and other things and social issues i'm kind of glad that we're starting to move away from that conversation not that it needs to be had but almost like that's not what's ultimate that's not what's lasting that's not like i think the things that we're battling through now are just purely spiritual I think what's happening in our lands, and I would even say from COVID, maybe the last election cycle, the last couple of elections that we've had, the leadership in our land globally, a lot of the issues we're experiencing. It's like if the last century has been ideological, has been a battle of worldview, what we're dealing with now is an existential thing. Like what we're dealing with now is a battle between our humanity and the future whether it's a post-human paradigm or something cosmic existential like the people that don't have a worldview a christian worldview they're probably going to default to like an ancient alien type event something cosmic which i do think is, is still plausible but I, I think it's a great deception and i'm mentioning all this because man so many people are turning off the conversations about like what used to be like racial and political it's almost now like Bro, I'm just trying to like get the basics to survive. I mean, stuff like is really expensive. Just because in America, like it's like the wealthy nation doesn't necessarily mean like things come easy here. Like a lot of people are on the system and a lot of people are struggling. There's more spiritual poverty here than I would say in a lot of places in the world. There's issues that we're seeing emerge here. Almost beg the question, okay, is it really just a lust issue or is there something deep? Is it almost like a lust for like control and power? Yeah. Oh, I personally feel it's like a battle of good and evil. Uh, it's obvious, like so many things are like, like we were saying. This is a weapon, like sexual arousal, like a weapon that the enemy uses, almost like. Yeah, it's one of the Trump card, like ah, I got you. It's one of the few weapons, yeah, but like uh, it's there's like so much we're rethinking society and, and large like institutions how we should live as humans like technology ai it's all converging and some cataclysm or shift's gonna happen to where like something i don't know what it could be but it, yeah things are definitely changing and like uh whenever i talk to people just for example i was speaking to uh, a foreigner just taking an uber one time over the holiday he was like uh yeah like i love working here in america but i never want to die here like i prefer my country even when it's poverty like like the people we were saying we're more spiritually poor and i feel like we're becoming more and more not robotic in a way like we're, we're becoming more soulless and i think that's where the battle is like now good and it's always been good and evil and the bible talks about this but it's becoming more and more apparent the bible says in a nutshell that we're born into a war this is maybe even a good segue for the gospel to be born again to receive the grace gift of the holy spirit because of christ being god in the flesh being the only mediator between sin and salvation because if we've fallen from grace a perfect place a state of harmony with god the family of god then we need a way back there well the only person that can bridge us back there is christ so from a salvific standpoint, one, if this is the first death, if our soul, our spirit goes somewhere after this, and we're not the only people to believe this, like cultures from time past have believed this. It's not just Christians, like many people believe in afterlife. But the reality is if something comes from outside of our realm, our dimension, 
and lives sinlessly, we're going to know. Like, there's something a little different about this guy if that person was prophesied beforehand. If people want to dismiss that, I would say they're not doing the hard work of looking into history and looking into how prophecy unveils. It's not always exact time, date, place, timestamp, everything. The point of this is that Christ's credentials are valid, more valid than anything we know in history. His life, death, and resurrection changed the world. It changed something in the spiritual realm. There's power in the blood of Christ. There's power in a sacrifice. What does a sacrifice represent? Something eternal, entering into something fallen, living perfectly, living in a way that causes us as humans to observe and to marvel and to want to put our faith in that way, in that person. And that truth, as it changes the heart, turns it from selfishness. Because let's be honest, before I was saved, I was very selfish. I was moral. I knew what right was, but I didn't have the ability to carry it out. I didn't have the inclination to. I just lusted all the time, like indiscriminately. And if I was trying to be nice about it, it's because I was trying to be nice to get what I wanted. Versus the way of Christ is to lay down your life, to actually have conversations like this that expose the darkness, to draw closer to the Lord, and to encourage one another and build each other up to be more like Christ, to be more righteous like Christ. But the idea is that we can, in Christ, through Christ, we receive reconciliation. We're bought back into the family of God. It's the prodigal son story. Well, why is this important? I think sexual morality has been one of the most powerful tactics of the enemy to lure us into selfishness, which leads to death, which destroys people in our lives, our families, our communities, innocents that are being trafficked, illicit drug trade. I mean, you name it, it's all tied in there. But at the end of the day, it ruins our own soul. It causes separation between us and God, the intimacy that we have with God, the assurance that we have in our salvation. And if the enemy can get a foothold in there, he's gonna limit our effectiveness. He's gonna get us to doubt our salvation, either to lead us to apostasy or to lead others away from the truth because we're ineffective if we don't have a pure heart and pure motives in Christ. And so what's powerful about sexual morality, and it happens in politics all the time, uh, business to if an opponent wants to get leaders to compromise and they, they unpack this. <laughs> oh, it's a whole other episode. Uh, the whole Epstein trial documents oh, are unpacking. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, now we need to go there. But the whole, there's more and more stuff being disclosed by Epstein. And one of the things that they did to get a lot of these politicians and, uh, you know, executives executives and leaders in check into their system to keep them from talking, you know, people in the Justice Department. Because you got to think, man, this thing was organized, bro. There's actors, celebrities. This was deep. Presidents. Um, there's people that they couldn't even disclose. And you think, how powerful do you need to be to not be disclosed? Like, I'm going to tell you right now, it could be. It could. Well, U.S. presidents. I mean, there was a couple U.S. presidents in the documents that were disclosed, but those that were redacted, I'm going to say, I believe there's end times implications. I believe these people are either Luciferian. They are so set apart from the terms of like political power and evil. Because if Clintons are mentioned in this and there's people that aren't, I'm going to say they probably have a part in how things are going to unfold in the end. That's just my perspective, but not that it matters. But I mean, the point is we know Christ wins and we know that we win in Christ. I'm saying that. That, like from the standpoint of the most effective way to lure people away is through sexual sin because it's so easy. I mean, if you see someone beautiful and you don't have grounding in the Lord, you don't have anything prompting you to flee from sexual morality. And let's be honest, like if you are overworked, you don't get to see your family much, you're pressured constantly from all these lobbies to deliver, even in your own life, like, okay, you got a wifey, you're, you know, you got a good job, you're going to church, you got a good name, a good reputation. Best believe the devil's going to try to knock you down and how does he do that most effectively through lust because it works 
if you don't have any spiritual grounding discernment, you don't have accountability in your life. You're getting isolated. You don't have limits. So if your job, guess what? Look, I know this is hard, but for real, like if you're feeling sexual temptation in your job because of a boss, because of coworkers, because of a subordinate, seriously examine whether or not that's the place you need to be. It's facts. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. There's a lot there, but did you want to speak to anything that we just mentioned? I know the Epstein thing came out, but that's a whole deep dive. And I think if anything, it's just more, the word says that what's hidden will be revealed. Like I'll tell you right now, what I'm doing is I have a blog. I'll drop it in the show if you guys want. I'm just about to start it. So, you know, give us some time to develop it. It's called Dove in the Storm, doveinthestorm.com. I'm starting to talk about this. And, you know, honestly, I put on my contact card. If I meet people as is appropriate, I'll share it. I want people to know that I'm not ashamed to put my heart out there and in my flesh, my struggles out there. Because uh, if I'm going to be known for anything, it's going to be known that I didn't want to keep anything from God or, or other people. All right. As we're kind of wrapping up the show, is there anything you want to share? Final thoughts of scripture, encouragement, uh, where you're at, where you want to be, even a prayer request. I mean, I rarely have even people are like, yo, pray for me. Like, just keep me. I need help. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I get, yeah, I could do one last thing I want to say. Okay. Like, yeah, we, God will help us with this battle. But I always think even if you do get married, even if uh, like things turn out the way you want, like the battle of lust doesn't end. And like it's a constant battle and it's not just lust it's other sins too so it's me personally i don't believe there's no personal states where we'll get to where we'll never lust at all it's always the sinful flesh it's the devil outside forces we always have to remain vigilant so it's a lifestyle it's not just some point you can reach and like all right, i'm done no more lusting because in that sense you could almost say oh i can reach a point where i'm sinless mm-hmm. so but yeah there's hope there's hope in the name and the spirit of Jesus Christ. I appreciate it, Micaiah, for joining the show and just sharing your heart and just a powerful brother. I know the word says there two and we're gathered together. Christ is in the midst. So I pray that God sees in this conversation. And for those listening, please check out our podcast, subscribe, follow us, share with a like-minded friend or peer. And if you need help, uh, you need someone to talk to, to work through some of this resources, check out our website, thecleanproject.net. Even if you just need uh, individual one-on-one coaching, we'll, we'll put you in touch with some people and some networks that can help you out in the battle of lust and morality. And that applies to just men, uh, partners that we can we can point you to. If you're a woman in the struggle, we'll point you to some ladies of faith that can help you navigate that. So we pray for you. We bless you. We hope that this message was life-giving for you as it was for us. Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of The Clean Project. If you found this message helpful, consider sharing with a like-minded student or peer in your community of interest. And if you have a moment, please make sure to drop a five-star review in any of your preferred podcasting platforms, whether Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or even reach out to the show directly and let us know if any of this conversation was helpful. So until next time, this is your host, Jason, signing off. Peace.